0: Okay, welcome back. This is our fifth class, and tonight's section is uh, is short. It's just chapter eight. This is as apportioned in the weekly Chayenu. Of course, we want to remind our viewers that this class in Kuntros Yonashal Teres Achsides, is a partnership between Chayenu, the weekly Torah journal, and SoulWords. So we want to acknowledge that partnership and thank. Chayinu, again, very much for providing the text and for bringing so many of their readers over to Soul Words to participate in this this class. Okay, so we were speaking about Chassidus as uh, related to Mashiach and that Chassidus like Mashiach is the idea of Yechidah. Again, you know, Yechida is a, a word that's hard to translate. We can translate it as essence, but then essence needs to be explained as well. What is essence? Um, but the way we're using the term Yechida or essence here in, uh, in this discourse is basically that which is no particular thing, and yet at the same time, or perhaps precisely because of that, is present in everything. Um, it can't be pinpointed, can't be nailed down, and yet at the same time, or again, perhaps precisely because of that, it is ubiquitous. It's just everything and everywhere. And Chsidis is like that, and Mashiach is like that. And that's why both Chsidis and Mashiach, which are connected ideas, um, both have a lot of qualities that sort of Uh, derive from them, Uh, but those derivative qualities or outer manifestations are are precisely that. They're just uh, derivative qualities or outer manifestations. Um, And and that's the nature of an essence. An essence does reveal itself in various different ways. But the essence itself isn't a revelation and therefore isn't can't be held to or, or, or limited to any of the, um, the trappings of any of its manifestations. So, uh, and, and, we, and, and then in, in the previous chapter, chapter 7, we spoke about oil, shemin, oil as the, uh, as the metaphor for this idea of essence. There's no particular place in the olive where the oil is or isn't. Um, and yet again or you know however or precisely because of it not being in any particular place it's in all places Um, so continuing now with chapter eight we're going to talk about how chsidus interrelates with Torah and with the different forms of Torah we've We've spoken about this briefly before, earlier in the Mimer, a a couple of times. That in Torah you have four levels, Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Soit. And uh, we'll just very briefly talk about what they are. We're going to be revisiting these concepts over and over again, actually. So we're not going to explain it at length here, but just a, a little bit. Pshat is the simple or straightforward Literal meaning of an idea in the Torah. Uh, Remiz is, is means allusion, meaning it's a little bit oblique. It's not clear or explicit, but it's not that far of a leap. Drush literally means to dig. Deirish is to like to expound. It means to get in there, and um, the sages would would. Uh, Employ uh, drush. That's the same uh, etymological root as the word medrush, right? A medrush is the same concept, digging deep. We sometimes would call it the homiletical meaning of the verse. Um, and then there's soid. Soid literally means secret. That's the esoteric, and that refers to Kabbalah. Okay, so you have four levels of Torah, uh, and each have their own trappings, their own. Uh, and again, we have to speak very, very carefully. We have to tread lightly, because we're talking about Torah, and Torah is holy. Every level of Torah, every form of Torah, every mode of expression of Torah. So I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. But these four levels have their own uh, stylistic features. Can we say it like that? They all have different... Uh, again, I, I, I hope this isn't a disrespectful term, but they have their tropes. No, I don't mean trop, like... Trope. Trope. Not trop. <laughs> tropes they have their you know cer- certain signatures certain uh, features that are um, that are characteristic of of their of their style okay let's let's let, let's jump in chapter eight hachayus shitei deshachsidis makhnisa bachol inyone hoelom cotton zea odem vahoelom kipshutai the vitality that Chesidus brings to the world, both the microcosmic world of the person and the macrocosmic world, meaning the world. <laughs> What's the macrocosmic world? The world, okay. Anyways, the vitality that Chesidus brings to both the microcosm of man and the macrocosm of the universe. Nim'sheches <laughs> al that actually derives from the vitality that Chesidus brings into Torah. Why? Why is that so? Because everything in the world, in the creation, derives from Torah, right? Like the Zayar says, Hashem looked in the Torah and created the world. Torah is the blueprint for creation. And uh, everything that's in the world comes from Torah. So, if Siddhis brings a new vitality into man, and we spoke about how it, 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 it allows, just to very quickly touch back on, the, on chapter one, right? So, it allows us to, uh, what was the first thing? Uh, go beyond the letter of the law, right? Or another effect, another effect it has on man, uh, it, it allows us to change the nature of character traits, okay? Um, And then there's the effects that Exodus has on the world, like that uh, it uh, roused the Jewish people from their slumber, right? We're talking about the four features of Exodus that were talked about in chapter one. So uh, these features all... Derive from the effect that this has on Torah. What is the effect that Siddis has on Torah? Let's read further. In Torah, you have four levels Pshat, Remiz, Drush, and Sidd. We will not translate them anymore because. Um, we already explained what they were, and frankly, is you know, homiletical an easier word to uh, associate the meaning with than you know, drush? No. Okay, so we're just going to use the Hebrew. And Hsidus brings a new vitality into all of those four levels, Asher, namely, and now there's like sort of a parenthetical statement here. Um, This, what we're about to say, is an addition to the fact that Chesidus brings explanations into all the four levels of Teirah. Okay, this this is not what we're talking about. This is an addition to this feature that, yes, Chesidus gives biurim, gives explanations of ideas that appear in all four levels of the Teirah. Which, by the way, this idea that siddis explains also is negates a popular misconception that siddis is a biur on soyd, on Kabbalah. Okay, this is like a, a, a parenthetical statement within a parenthetical statement, so I just want to unpack this properly. We're saying Chassidus has an effect on all of the four levels of Torah. Now, that's in addition to, this is not the same thing as, it's a separate thing from, it, and it's an additional thing to, the idea that Chassidus gives interpretations or explanations of things that appear in all the four levels of Torah. Okay? That's, that's the first parenthetical statement. Now, parenthetical within parenthetical is, and by the way, having mentioned that Chassidus adds explanations to all four levels of Torah, that, you should know, is in direct uh, contrast with the popular misconception that Hsidis is a biur on, on Kabbalah. Okay, it's not. First of all, uh, Chassidus explains all of the four levels of Torah, not just sight. Second of all, to call Hsidis a biur of Kabbalah, that like Chasidus is an explanation of of Kabbalah, you know, like 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 Rashi is an explanation of Chumash, right? Uh, that would be inaccurate. The Rebbe Hushab actually said that Chasidus isn't a Biuran on Kabbalah; Kabbalah is a biuran on Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to call something a commentary or an explanation? So. Uh, What's the difference between siddhis and Kabbalah? One way of explaining it would be a physician, someone who practices healing, has to study biology and chemistry and anatomy, but the actual art of healing isn't any of those things. Those things are used in order to practice healing. And in fact, the physician, as physician, is only interested in those sciences in as much as they allow the healer to heal. Likewise, Kabbalah is very interested in the anatomy, so to speak, of the divine. Okay, And of course, that's a whole explanation into itself, the idea of the Odom Ha'elyayin and the anthropomorphic, Configuration of the spheroids, um, but there's 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 a model for understanding divinity that is related to the the anthropomorphic uh, configuration of, of spheroids, which everyone's probably seen is familiar with that um, with that idea. At least if you're you're studying in this class, you, I'm sure you've seen this. You know the idea of the the human body and its uh, co- corresponding to the different spheroids. We say it in the And posseh liyo, every Erev Shabbos, right? The chesed rei yamina, right? The chesed is the right arm and the Gvura is the left arm. The whole anthropomorphic thing, okay. So Kabbalah is, so to speak, the anatomy. So it helps you to understand, to pinpoint, to locate where various different aspects of godliness can be found. Where in seder eshtal which oilam, which svira. But there's nothing actually practical about that. Csiddhis is concerned with practical implementation. Now in order to pursue practical implementation, Csiddhis will employ the language of and and even the, 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 the knowledge of Kabbalistic concepts But only just like the, the healer will use anatomy, but only in order to heal Okay um, It's interesting because just a little, I don't know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, soapbox. I'm getting on my soapbox here. I remember 20 years ago when I was a very, very young rabbi. And uh, somebody asked me about the Kabbalah Center. I wonder if I'm going to get a lawsuit for this. And they, they told me they were studying the Kabbalah Center and is it kosher? And uh, they started telling me some of the stuff. And I said, I don't know if it's kosher or not, but it's it, 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 probably not Kabbalah. They said, "Well, how, how are you saying that? We have a, we have a, we have a, we have a Zohar. <laughs> we have. You know, they they scan the page. They look at the pages of the Zohar. Right? Uh, I said, because what you're describing is way too practical. I said, uh, Kabbalah is very abstract, very theoretical, and what you're talking about is very practical. It's probably just a bunch of self-help." Like, you know, Dale Carnegie and stuff, uh, repackaged with, you know, uh, spiritual, spooky-sounding language. And then I found out that was pretty much accurate. So I had a good guess. Anyways, but how, how did I know? Because Kabbalah is... I'll give you another analogy. I mean, it's pretty much the same analogy as I just said. But, like, Kabbalah is calculus. Hasidus is engineering. An engineer studies calculus, but he's only, he's only interested in, in, in as much as he can build a bridge. And at the end of the day, you know, can I walk across the bridge or not? And if I can't, then calculus isn't all that interesting to me. Okay, so Chassidus is interested in Kabbalah in as much as it is practical. Now, since I'm having fun, I'll tell you a story. Um, I heard this story actually from Joseph Telushkin. And uh, there's a whole backstory why he told me that story sometime at a Febreng, and I'll tell you why he told me this story. But anyways, he told me that uh, Herbert Weiner, uh, the, the author of Nine and a Half Mystics, studied at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And he was actually in Gershon Sholem's Kabbalah uh, class, Kabbalistic Q- Studies. And if you don't know, Gershon Shalom, you know, was like the academic Master of Kabbalah, he studied Kabbalah as a, an academic discipline, but uh, you know, at least purportedly, outwardly, he said he didn't believe a word of it. Right, he was just studying it for its I don't know historical significance, cultural significance. Anyways, there was a Chassid who appeared one day in this class, um, Avram Yehuda Chayn, who was the son of the Radatz. Um, Radatz was uh, Rabbi David Tzvi uh, They used to call him Herschel Tchernagover. And uh, anyways, he, he made Aliyah at the end of his life, and he had a son Avram Yehuda. So Avrom Yehuda Chayn rolls into Gershon Shalom's Kabbalah class in the middle of Hebrew University, and Herbert Weiner <laughs> is sitting there. and a whole cast of characters. Anyways, uh, this Chayn starts saying, to uh, Gershon Shalom, he says, "What's the difference between uh, a chassid and a Kabbalistic studies professor? What's the difference? I don't know. What's the difference between a chassid and a Kabbalistic studies professor?" He says, "You know the difference. It's the difference between a balabas and an accountant, a business owner, and an accountant." See. Uh, the accountant spends his whole day in numbers, and he knows every number. Every number is a penny, and he knows to the penny how much money came into the company, how much money left the company. But then he goes home, and he doesn't have any of those numbers. Meaning, he looks at the numbers all day, but the money that they represent, it's not his money. He goes home, he doesn't have access to that money. The the the, the, the owner, the business owner, he... Uh, he doesn't check the books every day. Maybe he doesn't even check the books every week. And he, he doesn't know exactly to the penny how much is coming in, how much is going out. He has a rough idea. But it's his money. <laughs> it's his money. He owns the money. So he says that's, that's, the, that's the same difference between the Kabbalistic Studies professor and the Chassid. The Kabbalistic Studies professor, he knows every letter in the Zohar. But it's not his. He doesn't own it. He didn't make it his own. And the Chassid... Eh, does he know everything in the Zo you know, maybe he knows like Bereishomanusa de Malka, of Khalifa but Thiray you know, like something that you know that's and don't get impressed, that's the first line of Zohar, That's like my extent. You know, if it's a Dibra Maskal of a Maimer, you know, or Kigavna or Posakaliyo, you know, one of those things. So so he knows that, right? But uh, It's his, like the business owner. He may not know every penny in in, in the, he can't account for it, he doesn't know the books so thoroughly but but it's his money meaning he made it his he owns it he made it his life so that's the difference between kabbalah and chassidus is the is the theoretical and the practical so we were in a, in the middle of a parenthetical statement lest you think that chassidus is a beer on kabbalah first of all it's not and if anything kabbalah is the beer on chassidus and uh Second of all, Chizidus explains all the other Chelkei Torah as well. Okay. Anyways, let's let's move on in the text. So, in addition to the fact that Chizidus gives interpretations or added explanations to ideas that appear in all four levels of Torah, in addition to that, L'iber Chizidus <laughs> Machnis Chayus bechal Inyan veInyan bechal Chelkei Abshat Remes Drushay Shabei Shalem Dimetayra. See this makes everything in all the other four levels of Torah come to life in a totally new way. Bechayus atzmi with an essential life. V'chayus zeh this life, this life that this brings. One of the results is it brings about greater clarity or greater understanding of the ideas. So it's not just that Sidis comes and gives commentary on the other four levels of Torah. No, when Sidis touches the other four levels, it makes them come to life in a totally new way, so that they themselves are changed. What does that mean? And don't get worried if you don't understand this so clearly yet, because we're going to speak about this at length. I mean, that's what the whole discourse is about. Okay. Dug enigla de uba Here's an example in the revealed parts of Torah in halacha. Okay, not a kabbalistic concept, a very down-to-earth, grounded concept in halacha about how one thing can affect other things so that those other things are changed. So when Chizkis explains the other four levels of Torah, it's not just Chizkis is is giving its explanation. No, Chizkis is making those all, those four levels. Come to life in a new way that they hadn't before. Chsedus shined through them. Okay, but where do we find an example in the halacha where one thing can change those other things so that they themselves become uh, new? Here's the example: Kol el the kain All of the Aveda in the base mikdash and yim kippur can only be done by the kein Goggle. Now here's the thing there are a lot of things that are done on Yom Kippur that are only done on Yom Kippur so that understandably can only be done by the by the Kohen Gadol but what about those parts of the Aveida which are not unique to Yom Kippur like the Tomid the Tomid is done twice a day every single day so why does that only have to be the Kohen Gadol and yet when it's Yom Kippur only the Kohen Gadol can do the Aveida, even the things that are done on other days of the year Kamesh dushah Yom Kippur la Yom Kippur <laughs> Yim Kippur not only allows that the king gadol can do his special Yim Kippur Avedah, the power of Yim Kippur actually changes the regular daily things, and even if Yim Kippur falls on a Shabbos, the Shabbos Avedah, that also is elevated to, the, to a new level where only the king gadol can do it. So it's an interesting thing. The holiness of Yom Kippur doesn't just affect the things that are u- unique to Yom Kippur, but everything. Now, what's, what's the parallel in our day and age, by the way? You know, again, four levels and then the fifth, which is not a level at all. So, you know, you, know, you have Nefeshuch Neshama Chaya, and then Yechidah, which is not a fifth level, but it's the essence of all. Yom Kippur, you have five tefilahs. It's the only day of the year you have daven five times. Okay, regular day you daven three times. If it's Rosh Chodesh or Cholamid or Shabbos, you daven four times. Only Yom Kippur you daven five times. But it's not just that fifth prayer of Neilah which represents Yechida. All the prayers of Yom Kippur, even the other four, are also the level of Yechida, because when when there's a, when when Yechida enters the picture, it doesn't just affect itself; it, it affects everything. Which is why Yom Kippur, by the way, is referred to as a yom, a day, on which we daven five tefillahs. It's not just that the fifth tefillah has the aspect of Yechida. The, the, the yom, the day itself, is a day on which you daven five tefillahs. And since the whole day is a day of five tefillahs, so that affects all the tefillahs, not just the fifth tefillah of Nila, but all of the tefillahs. And same thing here. The, on the Day of yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol, has to do all of the Avedas because even the things that are normally done on other days as well, they are lifted up to a level of Yom Kippur. That's the effect that Yechidah has. And so, too, what we're going to say is, Chsiddis affects the other dalad so that they become lifted up in a new way. Okay, let's finish. Just like Yom Kippur is called the Shabbos Shabbosain. The Sabbath of all Sabbaths of time. See, this is the Shabbat Shabbosin of Torah. It has that same type of effect on all the levels of Torah. The four levels are just like Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya. <laughs> and then that fifth level, which is not a level, is Chsidis, which is Yechida. When Yechida comes out, then Nefeshuch also are uplifted. That they also become completely different. So Chesidus doesn't just explain ideas in the other areas of Torah. Chsidis, once it's revealed, makes the other areas of Torah themselves renewed in a, completely, uh, in a completely different way than they were before. Now that's a very strong claim. So to back that up, we're going to continue with illustrating one by one how Chesidus has this effect on the other uh, levels of Torah. And that's what we're going to be doing in in the next lesson next week. Thank you. Good night.